Hey, it's Andrew. Just quickly before we start this episode, I want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, the Secure Ventures Podcast. The host, Kyle McNulty, interviews cybersecurity founders about what they are building. I enjoy it because Kyle focuses on their technology, what it solves, why they build it, where it fits in the market. Also, listeners can understand the why of these startups. In some ways, it's a great compliment to my own podcast, where I focus on the go-to-market side, not on the technology side. He's had some great guests on recently, for example, the CEO of Reality Defender, when they talked about the ins and outs of deep fate detection. Uh, he's had the co-founder and CEO of Ghost Security, and also the co-founder of Radical, Chris Peterson, who was incidentally a founder of Logarithm, where they talk about the role of AI in the SOC. This is not a paid promotion. I just simply enjoy what Kyle is doing with his interviews and get a lot out of them. Check it out. It's the Secure Ventures podcast. Now on with this episode. Welcome to the Sales Bluebird podcast, where we believe that it's plain wrong that sales teams at startups don't get the help to succeed like sales teams do at their bigger and more well-known competitors. If you're a seller or a sales leader at a B2B startup, especially if it's a cybersecurity company, you're in the right place today. I am your host, Andrew Monahan, and welcome to episode 96 of the podcast. It's a beautiful blue sky day here in Colorado, uh, recording this towards the end of January 2022. Just uh, thinking about a good weekend with the family, busy week last week, and we're in sales kickoff time, so there's kickoffs happening and uh, enjoying being part of some of those. But uh, the thought for today, I was thinking we have the Olympics coming up, Winter Olympics coming up in a couple of weeks' time, I think it is, in China. And I want to cast our mind back to January 2018, right before the last Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang in South Korea. At that time, Michaela Schifrin was on top of the skiing world. She was on track for greatness and, you know, still is, frankly. She's just charging ahead and breaking records, it seems like, every season. But at the time, you know, this was four years ago. She was 22 years old. Uh, she'd had two, three good seasons. She was racking up the wins. Clearly, she was someone that was uh, doing really well in her sport. But in the run-up to January 2018, she had a great run. She won eight of her nine races on the World Cup circuit. Eight out of nine. That's a heck of a, a streak right there. So she was going into the Olympics, which were in February of 2018, on a streak, right? A lot of hype around her, how she was going to dominate, win gold medals. Um, it was going to be you know, quite the success for Michaela and obviously for the U.S., who she was representing as part of that. Um, actually, at the Olympics, you know, three or four weeks later, she left with a gold and a silver. Now, don't get me wrong, gold and silver, uh, pretty incredible result, right? <laughs> the feeling though, when pundits in the press and in the, in the skiing industry was that she underperformed. And frankly, by her own admission, she underperformed, right? Her own high expectations, she underperformed as well. So she went to this big event, uh, that she thought she was going to do well at. I don't know what the right target was or what her target was, but maybe it was two or three golds rather than one gold and one silver. Um, and in fact, her most dominant uh, skill or most dominant 
race that she takes part in is a slalom. She came fourth, right? And that was that was really unexpected for her. At the end of the season, she reflected back, you know, a ski season, believe it or not, actually goes on for all but two or three months of the year when you look at the preseason, the training, and all the rest of it. So the preseason, the offseason is, uh, is not much, but she had the chance to be back in the U.S., back in Vail, and reflecting on what had happened and what didn't happen in the prior season. And she's been recorded in interviews uh, saying this, is that she believed that she was caught up in the hype around what she was going to do at the Winter Olympics in 2018. She was also focusing on multiple golds and thinking about multiple golds and, you know, looking forward to getting to the Olympics to win her multiple golds, right? And the thing that she was reflecting on is that she got caught up in the outcomes, not caught up in the things that she could control. She was thinking about the big endpoint, the big goal, the big outcome, and not thinking about all the things that she was doing in the short term, day by day, race by race, training session by training session, to really be successful. And then as she was planning out her next season, her focus was going to be on executing perfect turns. Simple as that. She wanted that experience of executing a perfect turn. She wanted that feeling of going into a race, going down the race course and knowing that she's in that groove, in that zone of executing perfect turns. Because she knows that if she executes perfect turns or more perfect than the next person, she's going to win races, right? And that's what she can control. She can't control how fast they go. She can't control the weather. She can't control conditions. All she can control is executing perfect turns. And that was the focus that she went into that next season. So what happened in the 2019 season, uh, the 18-19 season, for her, it ended up being the single best season in the history of ski racing by a male or a female, by a male or a female. She won 17 races. The next best woman that she was competing against won four races that season. Right, so she won 17, the next best won four. The previous all-time history record, male or female, of the number of races won a season was 15. Right, So she blew past that and got to 17 by the end of the season. And the man who won the most races that season, uh, they got eight races. Right, So just think about that, that season that she had. It was I mean, it's not being beaten. I don't know if it'll ever be beaten. I'm sure at some point it will be. But, you know, that was an incredible result, right? She'd gone from a good season, having an average Olympics, reflecting back on what was important to to really get better, and then having the single best season in, in, in the history of ski racing the next season. So it's a good thing to think about in sales. You know, we in sales get very much caught up in the big outcomes. We as sellers get asked by our leadership, all about our forecast. Now, they're not asking us to forecast, well, how many times are you going to pick up the phone this month or this quarter? They're not asking us to forecast uh, things like the number of second meetings we get, right? They're asking us to forecast outcomes. What are you going to win? How many deals are you going to win? Things like that. Which deals are you going to win? And sometimes they're asking us to forecast many months out, right? They're, they're not just interested in what we're doing this week. They're thinking three months, six months out. What do you got forecasted for the second half, right? 
everything they think about is the results that come at some point in the future. But we know as sellers that we actually need to focus on the now. We have to execute what we do hour by hour, day by day, week by week. It's the small things that we do that happen again and again and every day that move deals forward. It's our ability to pick up the phone and get the meeting with the the critical influencer from the other team, right? And making sure that happens. It's our ability to make sure that the the third meeting, the second meeting, the POC readout meeting happens as soon as possible, not in two or three weeks. It's our job to make sure when we have these meetings that they go very well. The right people are involved from both sides. The agenda is strong. We've got the right content. We know which questions to ask, right? We've got everything teed up to be successful. We win deals by doing these small things day by day, week by week, month by month. And often leadership doesn't sit there to help us do that, right? They may coach us from the side, but it's up to us to make sure that those things happen and happen to the best of our abilities. And this is the sales equivalent of executing perfect turns. We need to be able to do these basics very well, right? Rarely uh, in reality do deals get won by some new amazing approach and a different way of doing things that's just never been heard of before that is, is new to industry, right? It's, it's done by doing the basics very, very well. You know, we have to have one eye down the road because we get asked about that, right? And we ourselves have got to think about our territories, our accounts as our, our business. And we've got to be thinking, you know, long term. But we have to be focusing right now on what happens at the moment. Our success comes from that rather than by obsessing about outcomes down the road. So my question for you today is, what do you have to do to execute perfect turns this year? What are the things that you can work on in how you go to market and how you conduct yourself and how you run meetings and get meetings and talk to people and ask questions and present things that you can get better at that will help you get focused on doing those things really, really well as opposed to focusing just on the big outcomes? What are you going to do this week to get 1% better than you were last week? If you can get just 1% better at executing the basics, executing the perfect turns, the uh, compounding effect on the success in your career is unbelievable. And I encourage you, if you're a data sort of person, do a simple spreadsheet. Put 52 weeks down the left-hand side, start with 100, and each week add 1% and see what the outcome is at the end to see what effect that can have. So I encourage you to think about the inspiration of, you know, probably my mind anyway, and maybe you disagree, but, you know, Michaela is probably one of the most dominant athletes, male or female, in a sport uh, in the world right now. And she's had a good start to this season. She's almost at the point at age 26 of having the most wins in skiing, male or female, in the history of skiing, right? She's, I think she's about eight short of the record at the moment. And she's only 26. So realistically, she's got probably four, I don't know, six years left in her career. She's going to blow past that. So what can we learn from someone who's dominating skiing and has done for a while and is likely to end up being the greatest ski racer ever? What can we translate into sales to help us be successful and think about how we run our territories and run our business? Getting that 1% better, executing perfect turns is going to help us do that. 
It would mean a lot to me and to the continued growth of the show if you'd help get the word out. So how do you do that easily? There are two ways. Firstly, just simply send a link to a friend. Send a link to the show, to this episode. Um, you can email it, text it, Slack it, whatever works for you and is easy for you. The second way is to leave a super quick rating. And sometimes that can seem complicated, so I've made it as easy for you as I can. You simply have to go to ratethispodcast.com slash cyber. That's ratethispodcast.com slash cyber. And it explains exactly how to do it. Either of these ways will take you less than 30 seconds to do, and it will mean the world to me. So thank you.